When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right, and welcome to the 10th episode of the What If Football World Cup 2022 daily podcast. We had the return of England, USA, Wales, and so many more. Was it a Black Friday for the United States, or was it a continuation of just merely giving thanks well, we'll delve into that. We'll delve into a potential Wales upset. We'll delve into the Netherlands as well. But that is for this podcast. Let's get stuck straight in. Yes, let's get stuck straight in. And to be fair, this first portion of today's show may be a little bit different to the remainder of the show, I'll be honest with you. I'm recording this, let me just check, at uh, 2.06 local time, British, well, Greenwich Mean Time, I suppose we are. It is November, after all, it is a Winter World Cup. After all, I'm speaking to you after England Zero... USA Zero. I promise the World Cup podcast, the daily podcast after this, will be somewhat, well, more sober, more, well, given with facts and context and uh, all the things you'd expect from a podcast delivered professionally in terms of the World Cup sphere. But it was Friday night, it was England versus USA. What else could I do 
but have a wee tipple as we looked into the main event, which was, of course, England versus USA. But before then, of course, I've got to remind you contractually that we've also got other things beside the World Cup Daily podcast here on the What If Football Sphere, and that is over there on our Patreon page. Hello over there. That is the World Cup Great Games podcast where every day, right up until the final weekend of the World Cup, we'll be delivering games from the history of the annals of World Cup football and uh, hope to check you out there every day, bright and breezy, Patreon 6am. We've also got combined 11s and predictors over there on our YouTube shorts page of our YouTube channel and of course, football manager challenges and what if alternate football universes from time to time every single day on our YouTube page. But let's get stuck straight into the Al Bite Stadium where England drew 0-0 with USA in a game that struck very eerily alongside a certain England versus Scotland game from 18 months prior. You may remember it. It was a second group stage match. It was a Friday night. All was expected. England was supposed to trounce the opponents, but they did not. They floundered to a nil-nil draw. They got booed off. So was the same here, supposedly. Can't account for the booing, but it was Friday night. It was the second group stage max. It was England. It was 0-0. And it was, I guess you'd term a derby, but I, I, I personally, as an England fan, don't really see this too much as a derby. Maybe the United States doing more of an embryonic phase of their football evolution, not to put down the... Uh, the Americans, um, by the way, of football, because I believe they uh, do get a fair, fairly, uh, fairly harsh rap of it in terms of football. Um, but that's by the by. And you've got to say, well, we'll we'll get into the analyses later on. But in terms of lineups, England were unchanged, which uh, was kind of surprising. Four-three-three. Uh, Change unchanged personnel, unchanged shape. The USA were unchanged in shape, but in personnel they brought in Hadji Wright for Josh Sargent for reasons unknown, really, because Hadji Wright wasn't the star of the show. Christian Pulisic, Weston McKenney, mainly the midfield for the Americans were the stars of the show, if we're being uh, totally blunt, and that was really where the match was uh, quote-unquote won if you're going to use a New York Post article headline for this and i'm sure there'll be a parody of it somewhere already up usa won nil nil and ha 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 how hilarious but in if we're being honest america they had the better of the game um a game based on expectation you'd probably have usa coming out of it the better they've come out of it with um with a point, and to be fair, given the the earlier occurrences, which I'm sure you'll know we'll get onto later on, vis-a-vis Iran versus Wales, um, really, America, given what happened earlier on, they had a free hit, and um, really, given expectation, given reputable, repu- well, reputations, history, etc., um, you would have thought of England breeze through it, etc., etc., three lions, Jerusalem, etc., um, but really, America should have won this. Let's be fair. They deserved to win it. They had the best chances to win it. 
Um, it was a game of few chances. It was probably one of the more boring games of the tournament, I'll be fair, <laughs> alongside maybe Morocco versus Croatia. Maybe Uruguay versus South Korea is probably a bit more pertinent. But this was dour. It was awful, if we're being honest. Um, we had, well, the, the one chance I believe that really probably maybe deserved to be tucked away to be declared as the as the match winner was Western McKenney's first half chance. Free in the area. Yeah, he had time. He could have taken a touch, if anything. Tucked it away. He slashed at it. Took it over the bar, and that was the game gone. Yes, Christian Pulisic may have hit the bar. England may have gone close with a couple of half chances here and there, speckled throughout. But really, it was that Western McKenney chance that that America would probably rue come in, come the end of the game in a game where you probably expect England. Yeah, a couple of couple of goals here and there. It's not going to be the same as Iran. It was Iran. They were distracted, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. This isn't going to be like that. America are probably better than Iran and everything that comes with that. But we end up at a similar scenario. England versus Scotland, Euro 2020. England go to the final. England versus USA, 0-0. England go where? Well, we don't know yet. The group is poised, certainly, for England qualification to the, to the last 16. That much is... Um, well, barring any miracles, that much is uh, absolutely sure. I'm not holding out too much hope or, um, well, expectation for a Wales four-goal demolition job of England, but that is the only thing that really can uh, take England out of this tournament, the group stages. And that even even then, with a Wales four-goal win, we'll need a winner from the uh, USA versus Iran game, which... I'm not sure he's too forthcoming, if we're being honest, um, given the way both teams play, given the way, given the lay of the land, really. I'm not sure there is too much of a direct winner between USA and Iran. We all know versus uh, USA and Iran, how that usually goes in the World Cup. We also know how England have a rotten record against the United States of America at World Cups, and that just purely continues, doesn't it? Through 1950 and uh, Gatians and the 1-0 win for the semi-professional team, through the 1-1 draw and the Rob Green spillage in Rustenburg, and through this, a 0-0 absolute... <laughs> horror show of a game let's be fair and um well well let 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 us be fair it doesn't mean doom and gloom for england um england don't do winning groups with nine points um well the only time that they've escaped a group with maximum points was 1982 and what good did that do for england well they went out and defeated yes well done but they went out uh, in a proxy quarter-final second group stage in 1982 alongside West Germany, nil-nil, and Spain, also nil-nil. You can see the trend here coming along. And the last time, if we're going to take a trend, if we're going to take the more positive slant in the road, the last time a World Cup winner won nine points in a group was 2002, and of course that was the mighty... The mighty Brazil. USA, well, they halted Italy in their tracks, and Italy won the World Cup after that in 2006. Spain, of course, fell to Switzerland in the opening game. Germany were held by Ghana in 2014. France by Denmark in 2018. So let's be fair. 
all this doesn't particularly matter. And you can say it might be bias. It, it probably is. But uh, we'll continue to uh, tread this fine line. So when France draw with Denmark today, as they quite possibly could do, we'll say that won't harm their chances as well. Because winners of the World Cup don't win nine points in a group stage. As of recent history, anyway. In terms of Wales, well, that is the next focus for England, isn't it? After this, well, dour game of football, let us be fair. Um, and Wales with a strong team that England will have to play because nothing is of, certain, <laughs> of certainty now. A win would have almost categorically confirmed England's place as group winners because they would have been a somewhat of a seven-goal swing needed against Iran, which isn't going to happen. It will not happen in any other world. <laughs> really, will it? Um, I, but the win wasn't wasn't there for the taking. Uh, if you move on, fair enough. It doesn't matter particularly too much. Um, it is a point closer to getting into the last 16. And if we're being analytical about it, which is the point of this podcast after all, um, well, the only way England go out of the group phase now is if Wales secure by some absolute miraculous ability a four-goal win over England and then there is a winner between Iran and USA, England go out. Because even if there is a four-goal win between Wales and England and Iran and USA still draw, there will be England prevailing somehow on goal difference from Iran, I would assume. But that is by the by. It also leaves England to continue this trajectory. They'll probably maybe, maybe change things up tactically in the face of a three-at-the-back formation from Wales. It may give them good practice going forward into the last 16 if they are to continue that, that back three system, as you may expect, as they did deploy against the likes of Germany, Denmark and Italy in the previous European Championships, i.e. when the tough gets going, the going gets tough, um, which is a phrase very easily to spite out when you're sober, I imagine. But for the uh, United States of America, the USMNT, I think I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that correctly, um, makes them sound like Ninja Turtles. Regardless, it leaves things very, very clear for the United States national team and Greg Berhalter beats Iran and you are in the last 16 and let us go back to the previews that we started everything off with in the very first daily podcast and I mentioned it would be a bonus if America qualified for the last 16. From this position right now after a draw and what happened later on, don't worry we'll get to it, um, between Iran and Wales, it has become an expectancy. A good performance against uh, Wales for the first half, a very, very, very good performance in the uh, second game against England, where, if we're being real, America controlled the midfield, they sucked in the wide areas, and which I previewed was going to be where this game was won and lost. America sorted that out, thankfully for them. Well done, you thanksgiving this one's for you anyway a win for america now will do the trick but but it is iran and iran are hard work they are a team 
protecting a draw. A draw will take them into a first ever World Cup knockout phase. And do not, do not, as uh, Wales maybe did, maybe, maybe did, do not underestimate the Iranians. Yes, they may have shipped six goals in the first game, but but that was certainly under the cloak of distraction um, from everything that was going back home. And whilst that obviously will still rumble on, when an Iranian team needs to knuckle down and then a nil-nil draw or earn a draw, especially to get a place in the last 16 of a World Cup, you can absolutely bet that they will do that or at least attempt to do that. So what does it do for England's chances? Well, well, they need to win against Wales to secure top spot, which in essence isn't really a bad thing. It's two games down, five to go in terms of the, the natural goal of winning the World Cup, the natural progression of going from fourth to third to second to first. And really, it'll give... England a good test. They won't need to change things up too much by way of personnel, I wouldn't have thought. Maybe with a little tactical shift, they may change one or two faces. Um, but for the most part, yes, it wasn't the best performance. Neither was Scotland in 2021. And I suppose that will be the groundwork that Southgate uses in terms of going for this third game against what is ostensibly a tricky opponent, perhaps not the trickiest of opponents in the groups in terms of Wales. We know they'll sit back like Iran. We know they probably don't have enough going forward, um, much less than USA even, and even the United States didn't have too much going forward for them on Friday night. So you would expect, even in a derby game, that England should take the victory. But if they don't, well, it doesn't matter too much because a point would give England five points, which paired with a USA win or a draw in the other contest would see England, barring any absolute thrashings from America against Iran, top spot in the group. And if we're being totally honest, last 16 with the opponents in Group A, given what we're going to discuss with the Netherlands, with Ecuador, with Senegal, coming second may not be the worst thing in the world. It may just mean hunkering down for the quarterfinals, for the semifinals, for the final and tough opponents. But if you are going to win this World Cup, you've got to beat some good opponents and... Uh, well, after this short break, we'll get into the Iran-Wales game and I'll transport you back a couple of hours when I was uh, a little less younger and a little less wiser and perhaps a little more sober. See thee in a minute. Welcome back. And the very first game from Group B was the early kickoff. On Friday, it was between Iran and Wales and really a shootout for what could be a potential second place. Now I'm recording this in advance of the England versus America game. You may, may well be able to tell by audio quality, voice or the actual content, which will uh, be put in out towards the end of this segment, really with the group permutations. Still don't know what the result is there from the later kickoff. But regardless, let's head into this game Wales, well, they delivered one change. Kiefer Moore really earning his 
himself a start really based off the back of the uh, the second half performance against the United States. Meanwhile, Iran made five changes, one of those, of course, being Hosseini in net. We've both said that as Moon and uh, Mediterrami coming in and um, playing almost a two up top at times, sometimes a 4-3-3, sometimes a 4-5-1, particularly off the ball. Taremi would drift out wide as Moon was centrally looked as though he could have had his game ended numerous times due to injury, but he kept plugging away. Meanwhile, Wales flitted from 3-4-3 to 3-5-2. It was mainly a 3-4-3 with uh, Harry Wilson off the left there, Gareth Bale off the right and Kiefer Moore through the middle, but Harry Wilson did have a propensity to drop off into uh, central positions. Meanwhile, Gareth Bale, of course, did drift in and it was a game where Gareth Bale became Wales' outright most capped player and um, Wales, they did get their first chances from wide wide situations as England did against Iran earlier on in the week but uh, Kiefer Moore's volley was parried and in the end it turned out that that was probably one of the closer chances that uh, Wales would have all game. The midfield was swamped, although I felt as though Neko Williams for the second game in a row provided good energy. Um, one of few in Welsh shirts, unfortunately. And um, Iran showed probably more of the early promise, playing with a bit of a higher block. This team was uh, night and day from the first game that we saw. Perhaps off-field pressures. Um, Haviz, unfor- unfortunately, probably not, but they felt a lot more confident playing against um, a Wales team here. They could, uh, they could be run through though, as um, seen with uh, the likes of Aaron Ramsey and Ethan Ampadu, but unfortunately Wales couldn't uh, couldn't capitalise on it, and it looked as though Iran had, had been the one to uh, to capitalise. Uh, their higher press, pressing a poor Connor Roberts pass, and um, tireless effort from the Iranians, but it was um, Ali Golizadeh's um, disallowed goal that uh, rebound, but um, a, rather a through ball to him, um, which was uh, cancelled out just his knee straying offside there. That could have been a, that should have been a warning sign for Wales, really. Iran were very good on the transition, particularly in the second half. They hit both posts inside 30 seconds of one another um, in the second half and had a, a chance, an Asmoon chance rebound saved by uh, Wayne Hennessy, I thought was magnificent before before the obvious. Um, Sadar Asmoon was Iran's probably their most dangerous player as Taremi was centrally against England in, in fleeting moments. And um, Ali Golizade was um, dangerous down the right um, and really was probably a bit of a spark as well for Iran um, in the second half more so than the first, despite the disallowed goal that he scored. Um, in terms of Wales, they couldn't really replicate that early chance that they had for Kiefer Moore. They, they, from wide, they weren't creating more anything like enough for Kiefer Moore. He was only found rarely from crosses around the hour mark with... Wales growing into the game and Iran looking a threat on the counter. Wales changed their shape just as Iran had done. Both teams were playing four four two by the end of the uh, by the end of the um, the game. There, Brennan Johnson, Dan James came on. Davis moved to uh, Ben Davis moved to left back. Nico Williams to right back, and um, Taremi and Asmoon were central by this point in Iran. Um, and really, by the last quarter of an hour, Wayne Hennessy was keeping Wales in the game. A wonderful shot pushed past the post by uh, the Crystal Palace, I think. Pretty sure he's still Crystal Palace. Anyway, either way, it was a good save. And then, um, unfortunately, he then performed his uh, Harold Schumacher impersonation on um, Taremi, I believe, and um, probably rightfully 
got the uh, red card after a, an intervention from VAR. It was our first red card of the tournament so far, and he will miss the England game. We've, to be fair, Wales didn't really have uh, an out-and-out first-choice number one, so Danny Ward coming in for the England game, I don't think it's too much of an issue for Wales moving forward. Of course, the issues for Wales moving forward are, are the points they have to gain back against England in order to even have a shout, have a chance of uh, qualifying for the next phase. Wales, they just they weren't keeping the ball in open play situations. They did need to be transitional and do take a risk, um, but they weren't, to be fair, they weren't that good at that either, really. Ben Davis had probably Wales' best chance of the game, certainly best chance of the second half when his steaming shot was uh, just about tipped over the bar, but there was always that Iranian threat. Added to the two chances that hit the post and the rebound, Tarabi blitzed the shot wide and then in stoppage time, of course, with the uh, with the red card to Danny Ward, Wales were essentially playing Joe Allen, uh, Joe Allen who is far from fit alone in midfield whilst the four continued up front, James Johnson, who were uh, fairly meek from wide areas. Gareth Bale couldn't impact things too much and uh, Kiefer Moore wasn't provided with uh, nearly enough service and then of course with that gaping chasm Iran struck in the 99th minute from Chesme sending one into the bottom corner a great strike really in all fairness it was deserved by the Iranians you have to say but nonetheless heartbreaking for Wales and then on the counter Really a goal that could prove very, very, very crucial. Um, on the counter, Remin uh, wrapped up the game, a lovely little dinked finish as well. And um, with Iran on minus two, um, Wales are on minus two now as well. But Iran will have the goal scored advantage you would expect given, well, they scored twice here. They scored twice against um, against England as well. So Wales will need a miracle to go through Um as I mentioned, we're recording this before England versus uh, USA, but any sort of um, result, they'll need a minor miracle. They could well be out of the tournament um, by the time you hear this. An, an American win could put them really, um, well, they, they, I don't think they can be out, but it'll be um, almost impossible to go through. If America win, then you've got Iran on three points, England on three points with a good goal difference. And then obviously they've got to play England. So there is feasibly a way that Wales could go through. They could, well, they definitely need to beat England. That's for sure. Then the best chance they've probably got is if later on in the day, earlier on for you, but later on in the day, if um, England beat USA and then USA um manage a either a, a draw or a, well if if they f if they get uh, something out of the Iran game and Wales beat England then that's how they're going to go through and it it looks as though this pristine record in international tournaments for Wales from 1958 from 2016 to 2021 of always qualifying for a group phase is over unfortunately they do need a lot to go their way in order to uh, in order to qualify and of course the biggest task is next on the horizon it's it's England next so unfortunately it does look like the end of the road but never say never it's a huge rivalry game form tends to go out of the window and who knows there is still a glimmer of hope for Wales in terms of getting a result and hoping things elsewhere go their way um but it looks, unfortunately, very unlikely now. So in the second half of today's show, we'll look to Group A. First, Qatar versus uh, Senegal, and then 
Ecuador versus the Netherlands. Stick around. Welcome back. And Friday's second game saw the return of Group A as the Asian champions Qatar met the African champions Senegal. There were quite a few changes for the Qatari team. Madibo was in and Mohamed were in at uh, central midfield and centre-back, respectively. There was a goalkeeping change, but no change to the shape. If anything, Qatar set up a little bit more defensively than, the, than what they had done against Ecuador in a 5-3-2. Very, very narrow formation. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. In terms of Senegal, well, Jacobs was in at left back. Czech Kuyate dropped out. And as such, the Lions of Taranga, they changed shape into a 4-4-2. Almost in the uh, first half, at least. Almost a 4-2-4 at times. Regardless, Qatar's wing-backs, I felt they were getting forward in, in brief, brief spates, really. Um, they were getting a little bit forward, and uh, Akram Afif was uh, drifting out to the left as a bit of an out-ball. Uh, but for the most part, Qatar were very, very poor again in the first half. If anything, they could have been even worse than what they were in the uh, in the first game against Ecuador. They were... Largely playing a low block, even more defensive than what they were in the uh, tournament's opener. And um, they invited a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure from Senegal. And really in the really, most of the first half, Senegal were lacking. Well, to be fair, all of the first half, because their goal comes from a moment of indecision, a mistake really from the Qatar defence. And Senegal latched upon that Boulardia, scored it, and really that was the only breakthrough that Senegal had in the first half. They were lacking that final ball, lacking the correct decision um, in the final third in the early stages. Um, Idris Gay went close from distance, but Senegal didn't need to be at their best, let's be fair. Um, the deadlock was broken on 41 minutes. Three minutes into the second half, Senegal doubled their lead 
through a um, through a corner, lovely glancing header as well from Giordu, and uh, fantastic two 0 up and Senegal without really lifting a finger. I don't think we've seen remotely close to the best that Senegal can offer. I felt that though the, uh, the their level was probably dragged down a little bit by the level level of opposition. Didn't need to go out and blow Qatar away, which is a good job because they didn't remotely come close to blowing Qatar away and still slinked away with a two goal. Two goal win, but the second half really will be certainly remembered in Qatari circles for how they improved as the game went on. A much better, much better second half by the host nation, but really to no avail. Um, regardless, the confidence should be there for Senegal going into their next game against Ecuador. Mainly only in the three points though, but 3-1 win is their biggest win in uh, in World Cup history. Um, so showdown next with uh, with Ecuador. And uh, meanwhile, I, I felt as though they, sh- they probably should have gone for it a little bit more because they do need to make up some goal difference between uh, themselves and Ecuador. This is, of course, um, prior to the Dutch's game with Ecuador at four, four o'clock after after this contest. So they didn't they weren't entirely sure of how many goals they would need. But regardless, to get a two goal win, fantastic. And uh, another one of those in the uh, in the following game could be uh, well, it'll put them through it, won't it? So um, but they could have done a little bit more to seal a bigger win and maybe only a draw would be needed in the final game and Therefore, Senegal were relying a little bit on another Dutch display, maybe two or three goals against Ecuador, which didn't appear likely anyway um, going into the contest, given both teams' uh, first games. Uh, Regardless, Qatar did come out of their shell, if only a little, but it was clear to see another golfing class, another huge quality disparity between the two teams. Um, They did have chances, though, as Almoaz Ali, um, just after the hour mark, Foster. A decent enough save from Edouard Mendy just after the hour. Uh, and then a shinned effort. Uh, Foster, actually a really good save from Edouard Mendy. And then Muntari headed in with 12 minutes to go and finally Qatar had their goal. And uh, on the balance of play in the second half, while Senegal did start off very brightly, sunk into it a little bit with the game over or appeared to be over. And then Qatar with uh, 2-1, 2-1 up. Senegal then <laughs> just instantly thought about killing the game off. Uh, Bamba Dieng, um, quite rightly, uh, finishing off with a fairly simple finish. It took a little bit of a deflection that did deceive the goalkeeper, who again, second goalkeeper that Qatar played and uh, second fairly poor goalkeeping performance by um, by Qatar here. And really, th- before the Netherlands-Ecuador game, they needed a list of permutations as long as your arm to get through to the... Uh, through to the last 16, they needed Ecuador to beat the Dutch. They also needed Ecuador <laughs> Ecuador to beat Senegal. And then Qatar needed to, need to now go on and beat the Netherlands and then hope for a goal swing somewhere along the way. So whichever way you spun it, hopes were hanging by... <laughs> Hopes we're hanging by the thinnest of threads. Uh, but meanwhile, uh, Senegal, they've got Ecuador next. Um, it was always outlined for a showdown um, for Group A qualification. And bear in mind, I am recording this before the Dutch play Ecuador later on um, this afternoon. But uh, if things are to go the way of um, the first couple of games, the first two games of Group A, you would expect either a Dutch win or a draw between those teams, which still puts... Um, with what you'd expect, a Dutch win over Qatar, it, it still leaves the big showdown between Ecuador and uh, Senegal going into the final final fixtures in Group A. It will go right down to the wire, although the group winners may not. Um, but 
Speaking of, the group leaders, Netherlands and Ecuador, still after Senegal's win over Qatar, went into the afternoon game of uh, the sixth day of the 2022 World Cup in the first and second positions in Group A. And we'll cover that game after this short break. Welcome back. And our second offering from Group A was the Netherlands versus Ecuador. And thank you very much, Lou Van Hal, for fielding our suggestions for player changes. He must have been listening. David Clarsen was in in the hall as a number 10. Meanwhile, uh, Tim Koopminers was a bit further back alongside Frankie de Jong and Urien Timber was fielded instead of Mathis de Litt, and that was mainly to uh, counteract the flexibility of Ecuador going forward. Enna Valencia could, for example, play on the left. He could play centrally as the game moved on. And in terms of Klaassen, it, it meant Cody Gakpo could go further afield, and further afield he certainly did go, scoring the tournament's earliest goal as, uh, well, one of the best as well. Thunderball, and the way it hit the net, and I think it bounced off a camera in the uh, net in there. It looked as though it was one of those where it's hit the side net and bounced out, and I wasn't entirely sure, um, especially given the stadium, Khalifa International Stadium. It's one of the, well, it's the only stadium that hasn't been newly, newly built. So it's a bit further away from the pitch. So you couldn't technically see whether it was in or not. Or, but the uh, the celebration did give it away, and a fantastic finish. One to rival that of uh, Richarlison's The Prior Night. In terms of Ecuador, they made one change and it was Perotho in for Ibarra in a potential move away from the 4-4-2, which they fielded against the host Qatar and into more of a 5-4-1. It was probably what um, Gustavo Alfaro was intending. It turned certainly turned into a 3-4-3 given the, the fact that Ecuador had obviously gone behind early on and given the fact that they were incredible, really. They were the better team in the first half, I thought, certainly. Um, as I mentioned, Gakpo scored that goal out of nothing. It was obviously brilliant and it it really owed a lot to his advanced positioning and class and getting involved a bit further forward in that 3-4-1-2 formation. Just in, just in that pocket, he would go out to the left and... Uh, the, uh, the the two up front would drift slightly and um, in Steven Bergvine and Cody Gakpo, you've got a lot more of a fluid, a lot more lucid front two than what you had, especially with uh, Vincent Janssen against Senegal in the very first game. And uh, the Netherlands were very happy to sit off once the goal was scored. Ecuador were hardly flooding forward at first, but they seemed incredibly comfortable on the ball, uh, most certainly down the left with the likes of Moises Caicedo, Pervis Estupinan as well, uh, obviously the Brighton connection there, and obviously Anna Valencia, who was who was drifting in centrally, mainly though would be uh, playing off the left, of course. And they were very energetic, the South Americans, to counter press, got back in big numbers as well, and on the surprisingly rare occasions that they had to actually uh, defend against the Dutch in the first half. Um, Estupinan's delivery certainly helped you got to say, a um, number of crosses that you thought, oh, this is going to hit the first man and be cleared or go out for a corner, um, were onto the back post, causing Virgil van Dijk problems, even Nathan Ake problems on the left as well. So it, all in all, a very promising uh, game from Ecuador, I thought. I felt they uh, put themselves about a bit, a bit more than Senegal, which probably gives them, regardless of results, a lot of confidence going into the showdown, which it is with uh, Senegal in the final match. In terms of the Netherlands, they'll be, uh, well, they're, they're much more assured defensively under Van Gaal and perhaps with uh, Virgil van Dijk 
Coming back into the back three, he was, of course, absent for the Euros. This is his first tournament, surprisingly enough, obviously because of uh, the Dutch's failures to qualify in 2016, 2018, and he wasn't quite at that level ahead of the likes of De Vrij and Bruno Martins Indy. Remember him um, last time? Van Gaal was at, um, at the helm in a tournament in 2014. Regardless, um, they are probably lost a little bit going forward. They do have Denzel Dumfries operating in a similar right, right-sided right role, um, bombing on as he tends to do. And they've got a lot more flexibility in the back in Van Gaal's team. And this should be more attacking, but uh, there's something, maybe it's maybe it's Van Gaal football, I don't know. Um, but if that means they keep clean sheets and they're winning games by the bucket load, which to be fair, they did at, Euro, at the Euros, admittedly in a weaker group, and admittedly they conceded quite a lot. Then um, they looked completely porous defensively. If they are going to play that Van Gaal football, which slower tempo, but solid, it is tournament football as we have seen. And yes, it might have not might not have worked at uh, Manchester United in the not too distant past, but tournament football is but seven games, isn't it? So you can see it working really in a tournament setting. And really, the defence hasn't really been shaken. S. Dupignon did find the net, of course, in the first half, um, probably rightly given offside, given that uh, I think it was Moises Caicedo in the def- in the goalkeeper's eye line, and probably rightly so, even though the goalkeeper dived the wrong way. I don't think that is uh, quite factored into things. But uh, going forward, Netherlands, um, regardless of this result, really, they'd have been confident considering their next opponent, which is Qatar. Um, only really goal difference to worry about, and that's not really too much of a worry. Um, I'd, well, it isn't actually because they'll be uh, whatever happens, really. Um, they'll be they'll be all right, won't they? And uh, Ecuador, showdown with Senegal is next. And uh, as big as games come in Group A and at this stage of the World Cup and... I'd slap my money on um, on Ecuador, to be fair with you, based on uh, Friday night's proceedings. And now, in terms of the second half, what we got? More of the same, really. Uh, Enna Valencia prodded in inside three minutes of the second half, and it was game on. Unfortunately, we didn't get any more goals in the game in a 1-1 draw. Which, in the end, really suits both teams. They're both on four points. They're both favourites to go through. And now, I'd imagine, both need a win uh, from the final games. You'd expect that of Netherlands. Maybe we'll get a bit of a goal fest from them, considering they'll be uh, will have one eye on the goal difference, of course. And um, really, it was Ecuador's game to lose this because Gonzalo Plata hit the bar, and uh, Ecuador continued to have much of the better game. And defensively wise, Netherlands. <laughs> They were really testing my uh, my theory about how good they are under Louis van Gaal in that second half. We've got to admit, um, Nathan Ake run very ragged. Uh, the spread, the defensive three was spread incredibly wide. Daily Blind, Denzel Dumfries, both wingers. Dumfries you expect from <laughs> Daily Blind less. So Frankie de Jong was covering a little bit really as that third centre half and kickstart in play. But uh, again, it was that combined with Me- Memphis looked a little bit, uh, provide a little bit more spark, but very little, if we're being honest. The front three of the Netherlands didn't really click together in the uh, in the second half. Really, they didn't really go forward that much. Um, both should be fine though, heading into uh, heading into Tuesday's final fixtures, where again points would do. One point would do either team really, and um, essentially that should be. Uh, should be job done for both teams, although Ecuador-Senegal is 
Staley's a showdown, although Ecuador have looked the better of the two nations, admittedly. So before we wrap things up today, we'll uh, take a look at today's games where we see the reintroduction into the World Cup of Argentina, France and Denmark and look at Group C and D. See you in a minute. And we shall end things today by looking forward to today's action. Group C and D, of course, are on full display here today with the likes of Argentina, France and Denmark returning. So first, Group C, don't you dare write off the Argentinians. They are not over yet. And judging by firmly on the performance of both Mexico and Poland in their scrappy nil-nil draw, which didn't didn't uh, flat to deceive anybody really. Um, Argentina, with a couple of wins, will probably still be uh, favourites to top this group. Um, let's be fair, two wins and they could still win. Obviously, this is wholly um, dependent on Saudi Arabia's results against both Mexico and Poland. And to be fair, it's wholly dependent on Argentina gearing themselves up for another go. They always play in Mexico after after all in World Cups. They have a pretty good record against Mexico in World Cups to fail, haven't failed to beat them, um, not in recent times anyway. You've got to say that Argentina, at least in that first half against Saudi Arabia, were desperately unlucky not to claim an insurmountable lead for the halftime break. It could have been three, four, whatever you like, really. Um, unfortunately, they... They couldn't, like so many others, find that extra goal to um, kill off their opponents. And likewise, Saudi Arabia, they'll be buoyed by not only their own performance, but Poland's poor display. They were tactically off. They didn't appear to bring absolutely anything to the table. They looked out on that Robin Levando- Robert Lewandowski penalty. Um, and even that and then, they couldn't, um, they couldn't put that away. So Saudi Arabia will be quietly confident and a win for them today against Poland would all but see them through barring, you know, a, a long list of, of things that uh, need to need to happen. I've been unimpressed massively with Poland and really so too with Mexico and they desperately need something. They desperately need something against Argentina. Hoping for a shock of seismic proportions. They'll be hoping that Argentina are... Their mood is on the floor after that shock by Saudi Arabia. And um, I think Saudi Arabia might have to do things a little bit differently against Poland. Will they play a high line against a team that is dour, low block themselves? Will they will they come out or will they just sit back and let them let them do the unimaginative football that they were doing against Mexico? It, it's up for grabs. And to be fair, with that Saudi Arabia win over Argentina and the result that followed between Mexico and Poland... This group is all up for grabs. The favourites are down, the outsiders are up, and the two teams in between are the two teams in between, and they both have Argentina to play. So it is um, tantalising, to say the least. So to Group D, um, especially with France versus Denmark on the horizon today, Denmark severely underperformed against Tunisia. They did show a little bit of something when uh, moving Christian Eriksen back into the midfield too, as opposed to out wide and bringing on Mikkel Damsgaard. But uh, you can't really expect Damsgaard to be entirely fit for the full 90 minutes, even throughout all of this World Cup, given his uh, lack of match fitness. Meanwhile, though, they will have a psychological edge over France after the Nations League. They beat them twice. Um, earlier on this year, we have been outlining that the Nations League isn't really a measuring stick for anything. But in terms of matches between two teams, 
Denmark have the the edge on France, although you could have said that with uh, Denmark and England of the European Championships last year. They took four points off England in the Nations League just gone before that, um, but were unable to uh, put away England in the semi-final. Of course, no home advantage for France, but they are pretty, pretty much one of the best four teams that we have seen so far alongside England, Spain and um, and Brazil there. Um, I don't think France will be able to cut through at will um, Denmark as they, as they did with um, Australia, and that is something that I fear for Australia heading forward in a match that will essentially be an away game. There are Australians who have played in a lot of football in the Middle East, some maybe uh, playing in the region for their clubs, but in terms of their qualification process, they went... It went for went on for years and a lot of their games because of the pandemic was played in the Middle East. So they should be at least acclimatized to the conditions. Of course, they'll have been there for now two weeks, weren't they? But uh, Tunisian fan support, do not underestimate that because that was uh, crucial in putting them over the line against Denmark for the nil-nil draw. And I personally, personally would um, would predict Tunisia to take the points, which given what happens against between France and Denmark... Who knows? It could leave France in a bit of a uh, bit of a tricky situation ahead of Tunisia in the third and final game. Likewise, it could be the same scenario for uh, Denmark. Denmark would be needing favours from France or uh, or Tunisia really ahead of their match against Australia. So another group really tantalisingly set. It's all tantalising, and I hope you join me tomorrow. Uh, or rather, yes, tomorrow for those four games as we will review them game by game. Of course, of course we will. But until then, thank you very much for listening or watching if you're over there on YouTube. Hello, I'll see you. Uh, until next time, City and up the three Lions. Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.